Welcome to the one-on-one with one and only sports podcast. I'm your host Theo Juan. You're listening to season two of the podcast where we're going to look at the stories and lives of the players, coaches, and personalities that make up the world of Ultimate. Each week I'm going to talk to a new guest. We're going to talk about their journey into Ultimate, what their life in Ultimate looks like, their most memorable Ultimate games, and a fun rapid fire segment to end the episode. If you like the podcast, I would love for you to subscribe or follow on whichever podcast platform you use and get the word out about the podcast to others. You can drop a review on a platform like Apple Podcasts as well. That would be greatly appreciated. Truly appreciate all the support. And new episodes come out every Tuesday. This episode is brought to you by the Pocket AT. Ever want to have your health-related questions answered whenever you have them? Look no further than the Pocket AT. It's like having an athletic therapist with you 24-7. It's a free informational hub that provides you with everything you need to know about your health, including rehabilitative exercises, advanced sports-specific exercises, proper ways to stretch and foam roll, mobility exercises, nutrition, and a bi-weekly blog that discusses the most commonly asked questions to practitioners. Check out their content on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter at the Pocket AT and on their website at pocketat.com. Now with all that done, let's go. This week's guest is Nico Mula. Nico was Ulti World's 2019 European Male Player of the Year, a nine-time German national champion with Badskid, and a captain of the German men's national team. Nico started playing with the German national team in the U-17 division in 2007. He won a European Youth Championship in 2011, and has represented Germany ever since. With Bad Skid, they finished 7th at the World Ultimate Club Championships in 2018. They won a silver medal at the European Ultimate Club Finals in 2017, and a bronze medal at the European Ultimate Club Finals in 2014. In 2019, Nico and the German men's national team finished 2nd at the European Ultimate Championships, losing on Universe to Great Britain 15-14. He's also had opportunities to take his talents to the United States at the club and college level. In 2017, Nico played with the University of Massachusetts Zoodisk and helped Zoodisk reach the semifinals, falling to eventual winner Carlton 15-14. That same year, Nico played for the legendary team Boston Ironside, who won the Northeast region and finished 5th at the USA Ultimate National Championships. Nico attended the University of Stuttgart and currently lives in the town of Convestheim. Here is my interview with Nico Müller. So I'm here with Nico Müller, a German national team legend. He was 2019 Ulti World's European Male Player of the Year. He's also made his way to the United States, playing for Boston Ironside and UMass Zudis for a year. So really excited to hear about all of his experiences. So Nico, how are you doing all the way from Germany? Doing pretty good so far. Uh, thanks for having me here on the podcast. We're recording this uh, a few days after Christmas, so I'm still a little bit stuffed with food. But other than that, I'm doing quite well. Thank you. Yeah, you might have to uh, play some Ultimate there to uh, work off some of the good uh, Christmas meal there, Nico. But that's awesome. Of course, that would be great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll get to that. We'll get to that in the day-to-day life. But we're going to start with the journey here. As I mentioned in the bio there, you started with the German national team as a U-17 player. So pretty young there compared to some people who maybe pick up Ultimate in their early 20s. So how did you get started in Ultimate in Germany there? So actually, 
I started in, I think, 2005 was that beginning of 2005. And actually, I got, got involved with Ultimate through my older brother, who is also still playing and coaching a lot, currently coaching the German women's national team. So he's also still quite involved. And he got involved in our town where I grew up through some, some youth group that was yeah, regularly meeting, playing games and stuff like that. And one of the guys got to know with Ultimate somehow. And then they tried, they barely knew the rules. They basically just knew the basics. Like you have to throw the disc to each other and catch it in the end zone. And that's basically it. So it was a group of 10, 12 people. And at some point, my brother asked me if I wanted to join. And that's basically how I got into Ultimate. And then uh, the first one and a half years, as I said, we barely knew anything. We were playing on the, because it was winter when I started, I remember. And basically the, the parking lot at the supermarket was the only place where we had lights. So that's where we, where we started playing for a couple of months until we started to get involved with the, with the town and to try to find some spaces on, uh, on grass fields. At the beginning, we had no clue. <laughs> we didn't know what to do or, or what we are doing. And we, we just knew the basics of the rules and loved playing with the disc, basically. Yeah, that's how I got into it. So uh, playing in the parking lots there, Nico, were a lot of your discs getting beat up there? Because uh, maybe a lot of turnovers. So you're like, the discs are getting scraped up there in the, the parking lot, right? Yeah, it was terrible. You know, some of the discs were really getting really sharp on the bottom because they were so beat down. And I think also they were probably 15 uh, grams less than, than usually because they were so beat up. So it was definitely different than this. You wouldn't play with uh, anymore right now, but back then we didn't care and it was all fun. It was all fun back then. That is definitely awesome. And what sports did you play before Ultimate that kind of got you prepared for that sport and for that level of play? So I've done a lot of different stuff when I was young. The thing I did the most was judo. Actually, I did for six or seven years, which is completely different, obviously, <laughs> to ultimate. And maybe that's, I, 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 I did both of it uh, at the same time for two, three years. And then at some point I had to quit judo because it was just taking too much time doing both. But yeah, I also love that. But I think when I started playing Ultimate, I realized that actually playing team sports uh, suits me much better than doing something for myself, basically, which, which is what you do in, in judo. Yeah, and, and you've been a big part of some teams now on the German side nationally. So how did that get started? Because you started as on the U17 team. In North America, we don't really have those uh, teams there in terms of national teams. Are In Canada, at least, it starts with U-20s, right? The U-20 World Championships, U-24s now, formerly U-23. But in Europe, there's a U-17 division, isn't there? Yeah, exactly. In, in Europe, you, you play U-17 as well. And so I got involved in that, I think... It was summer of 2005. So there was always this big tournament in our region where also teams from Switzerland, Hungary, and Austria were playing. So a youth tournament. And I think this summer we played that tournament. We got basically crushed by everybody, but 
I first got involved through my brother and then some some friends of mine who were in my my age also started playing and then so we had a team with people in my age and we played this tournament and first year we got basically crushed by everybody and then after this tournament there was uh, always a like a training camp I think at the beginning it was not for the national teams but it was some local coaches that were running this camp so I, I got involved with some more tactics and, and these kind of things, which I didn't know anything before. <laughs> so that's how I sort of got in touch with how you actually play ultimate. And I think the next year, the same training camp was also a tryout camp for, for the national team. And then in 2007, I made the first uh, U17 uh, national team back then I was I think 14 yeah 14 years old I basically made the team because there were not so many players in Germany uh, at that time so even with 14 it was possible it's completely different today but that 10-15 years ago there were so few players in in Germany that that actually everyone who was able to play <laughs> made the national team so Nico, what you're telling me is that they just needed some warm bodies to uh to to get on the line there is what you're saying. That's how I felt like, yeah. Actually we we got third place in in 2007 uh, 2007 uh European Youth Championships, so I think for other countries it was totally the same. So they also a lot of other countries also had very young players and also the rosters were 15, 16, 17 players, not not 25 as it is today. So that was also a completely different story. We were joking about it earlier about the warm bodies and things, but Germany has definitely moved up there in the European ranks. And so has that kind of coincided and been the same as your development as a player? Like you've kind of seen the rise of German ultimate then in on the national scene, right? Yeah, for sure. Uh, as I mentioned, when I started playing, as I as I as I said, it was more or less whoever could play was on the national team. And today, I think the U twenties they they are running tryouts with 150 people, and these are usually only the good players that come to tryouts. So it's it's really a completely different story to compared to when I started playing. And what do you think led to the development of? programming youth programming in germany to create all these players that are now wanting to play on the national team maybe play for bad skid things like that how did that come about what was started in germany to help foster the growth of ultimate actually it's it's hard to say i know in in other regions there were definitely some some players that started coaching in schools also which is in in, in my region not really something that that is happening so here it's more in local towns. There's these youth sports programs, but it's not really the schools that do that, which is really different compared to uh, North America, where basically everyone starts in, in school. Here in the region, we had one guy who was actually from the US and, and he knew Ultimate and he got involved several people that then spread out to their own towns and started program there. And then so here, I would say we were the first real generation that, that, that started with a lot of people. And then for myself and my brother, for example, we started coaching also. So younger kids got involved again. And 
I would say that's how it started, but there was no, I wouldn't say there was a significant event maybe here in the region. I think World Ultimate and Guts Championships in 2000, if I remember correctly, were in Heilbronn, which is here in the area, which was probably a, a, a trigger event for Ultimate a little bit. But in other regions in Germany, I think more people got involved in schools and got people playing there. So yeah, that's that's how it all started. Yeah, it often isn't just one trigger event necessarily. It's just a snowball of certain events happening that can grow the program. And then the U24 championships were in Germany in 2019. So that might have been another event or that could be another event that sparked some interest as well, right? It, I'm sure it was a big deal for the German Ultimate organization there to lead that event and then have all the youth players see it right definitely an important event and i know in heidelberg which is the 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 city where the u24s was i know that that they have strong youth programs right now and it's definitely triggering people coming to see the games and and then kids start to play because they like it and that's really i i assume so that this is a trigger event and especially in the heidelberg area yeah, that's definitely cool. And you've played with the national team for many different tournaments now. And as I mentioned in the bio, you're a captain of the men's team. So what does that mean to you, growing from a youth player to now being a captain of the highest uh, rank you can reach there in Germany as the men's national team captain? So what does that mean to you? I mean, obviously, it's a great privilege for me to be in, in that situation and also a chance for me to, I mean... I wouldn't consider myself as one of the older players, but I'm definitely someone that is experienced here in Germany. So it's a it's a good way for me to give back to other players and give advice. And I'm always trying to be not the type of guy that talks too much, but let's say more off the field. I, I like to talk to other players and that's how I'm trying to give back. And, and also, yeah, I think I'm feeling well in that position so it, it it makes sense to be there for me and you've had success at the german club level as well i know uh you're probably going to be playing with bad skid in germany but also in europe so can you let the audience know about your time with bad skid starting out as a young rookie there and now being a seasoned veteran for that team the beginning yeah i was still young when i started for for that team so at the beginning i was more or less you know happy to play on a team and travel to tournaments which was a big deal when you were 15 and traveling to i don't know amsterdam and london and here in europe it's it's really because there are also not so many tournaments locally because we don't have so many players it it always means traveling and it always means seven, eight hours car rides. and That sounds fun. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. And obviously, if you are young, then that's even more fun because you, you get to travel with your friends. And uh, yeah, I mean, now I'm used to, but back then it was, yeah, just crazy experience. And yeah, now, as I said, now I'm more used to that, but also feel more like... I got to know things better. And at the beginning, it was just this, everything was more exciting. And I was always eager to learn more and wanted to get better. And and that helped me. I think that helped me a lot becoming, being where I am right, right now. How did you balance playing both locally in Germany, right? National championship tournaments, 
and then also playing in the European club scene along with being on the national team as well. Was that a lot to balance for you or has that been a lot to balance for you? So let's say for the club team, so this European club championships are more or less part of the season with the club team. So usually we have nationals in September and before that we have a lot of preparation time and some qualification tournaments and these kind of things. Then nationals in September and beginning of October is usually when the the European club championships uh, happen every year. So that's more or less part of the season. With the national team, it's always a little bit more difficult because obviously if we prepare for European or world world championships, it's always a a difficult trade-off with time you spend with your club team and time you spend with with the national team. And for example, for us, uh, we have eight, nine, ten players coming from Batskid on the on the German national team, which means we have to somehow adjust the the club season to the national team schedule because we have a lot of training camps and then preparation tournaments you play with the national team. And that's always something you have to adjust. And we usually adjust our schedule with the club team a little bit because we have so many players playing on the national team. I'm not sure how other teams are doing this, but it's obviously always a decision to make, especially for big tournaments. We have windmill wind up in Amsterdam. You probably... I heard that's a great tournament to play at. I remember I talked to a few people about it and that seems to be like the fun, just amazing tournament atmosphere to be at. Is that true? Yeah, I know some U.S. teams come there basically to party and have fun and still crush everybody. For us, it's usually a good tournament because a lot of good teams or basically all the good teams from Europe are coming there every year. I would say it's a it's a must-do for preparation. So there were years, for example, where we played with the national team and couldn't play with the club team because obviously you can't do both. And then the club team always, in, in these years where national team events are, are always a little bit kept on, on, on what is possible to do. And I'm sure there's an epic final there filmed by Sky Magazine where it was American team with Ben Wiggins and a couple other well-known players. Chinya Rada was their team name. Pretty sure Tyler Kinley was on that team as well. And they played against Bad Skid, if I'm not mistaken. So were you in that game? Yeah, yeah. I was in that game. Really, really legendary game back then. It was also with the crowd is, is quite big in uh, in Amsterdam. So I I mean, I don't know the numbers, but I would say around 2,000, two and maybe 2,500 people are there. So quite big crowd. I think for me, it was the first tournament or the first final with such a big crowd I played in. So yeah, that was obviously... Uh, legendary game we we lost on i think it was universe point it was a controversial call at the end uh if you want to check it out i'll be sure to leave that video in the show description super epic game it's a great camera angle too so you can see a lot so highly recommend you checking that out classic game there in terms of bad skid is that more of a team based on the whole country like the best players or is it more of a certain city and most of those players playing for that team no, so it's actually and and also something we are we're definitely proud of. We never really picked up any players also for these World Ultimate Club Championships and for these events. We always try to keep it local with the No ringers, no outside ringers. <laughs> no ringers, yeah. 
so it's actually it's not from one town but it's so it's a couple of really small towns like three three four thousand inhabitant towns uh, who like ourselves well when we started a couple of towns around town i grew up in uh did the same and at some point we we decided that we want to have a a team we play outdoors together and that's how it all started and it's more or less still the same guys with some young kids coming in it's really from a couple of towns in our region and it's always been and it still is do you think that leads to increased team chemistry and morale just because you know that you've built this program together from the ground up you're not recruiting these outside sources from you know munich or somewhere else to come play you're able to just build it up from from the ground up. So do you think that's helped with your team culture as well? Yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure that that helped us a lot, especially the guys who are now the older people on the team. They I mean, they basically started playing together. So this is really a chemistry bonus that we have and I mean, these these guys are my best friends and this obviously always helps playing in in crucial moments on the field. I think this is definitely a, a huge bonus point we have, yeah. And a uh, side question here. Can you tell the audience what the name Bad Skid comes from? Who came up with it? What was the meaning of it? Does it have any relation to the towns you grew up in? Uh, where did you come up with the name Bad Skid? It's a pretty uh, sweet name, I, I will say. Uh, that's actually a good question because I know for for the North American audience, this is a quite strange name. So it's actually coming from two different teams where the most players came from when we founded the club. And one team was from Bad Rappenau is the city. So that's where the bat comes from. And the other team was called Skid. That's why it's called Bad Skid. Yeah, it's a pretty sweet name. Yeah, just whenever you hear it, it just uh, it's a unique name there, Nico. So I'm sure people remember that name, right? When they play, oh, we played against Bad Skid. So that's awesome. And speaking of unique names there, you were able to take your talents over to the United States as we were talking off air there. Ulti World did talk about it. So you played there in their spring series, right? Playing at regionals and then obviously playing at nationals where UMass, along with some other players that the audience might know, Tanner Johnson was on that team, Ben Sadok. You were able to make it to the semifinals, falling to the eventual champions there in Carleton. So what was that experience like playing in the United States, playing in the college scene? I mean, so... This whole thing started that I always wanted to play a season in the U.S. And the idea was, first of all, to play with Boston. So Stefan Rakit, the coach of the tournament national, he's good friends with Josh McCarthy. Yeah, yeah, coach of Ironside. And so that's how I got involved with Boston. So my dream basically was to play a season in the U.S. And Boston made a lot of sense for me also. Another guy from my club team, Christoph Köble, he played, I think, two years before with Boston. So yeah, that's that, that was my my dream to go to the U.S. for for one season to play. And when I was starting to check the possibilities of what I'm going to do in life when I'm going to the U.S. for half a year, because that's all, all obviously also something I tried to figure out. I first wanted to do an internship in Boston, which turns out to be a little bit difficult coming from outside. And during the time, I I tried to find ways. Actually, I got involved through university. 
with the University of Massachusetts is not so far away from Boston. So I thought that could be a good opportunity. I had the opportunity to do my master's thesis there. So I thought, okay, two hours car ride is not too much of a big deal to play with Boston. So actually at the beginning, playing college was no topic at all. Okay, you were focused on playing for Ironside then is, is kind of what it sounds like, right? Back then, actually, my focus was also I was here. I was not really familiar with the college scene in the U.S. So, yeah, then I, I found out about UMass. I already started discussions with the professor when I found out that UMass was actually a good college team. Very good college team. <laughs> Very good college team. And then as I found out, I was like, OK, why not give it a shot to try to get to play college also as a back then for me? It was more a preparation, uh, or I, I imagined it as a preparation for the for the club season with with Ironside. And actually, speaking about it now, the college experience was incredible for me. I mean, before getting there, it was for me, as I mentioned, more uh, more something to get warmed up. And now, looking back at the time, it was so much more valuable, not only from the ultimate perspective, but also Socially, I mean, I, I got there, I immediately had 25 friends. I think the first two or three months, I barely stayed home at night. We were always chilling at someone's place and, and watching movies or playing games or doing something. I mean, talking to other people that, that spend time abroad the first couple of weeks or months is always difficult because you spend a lot of time alone or you get to know, have to get to know people. And for me, I mean, it was incredible. I got there, then someone picked me up at the bus stop and showed me around town and showed me some places. And I was immediately involved in, in everything. And I, I remember it was crazy story. I, so first of all, I think two weeks before I, I came was the point when I got the notice from USA Ultimate that, that I'm eligible to play because it, it took quite some time for them to check uh, because I'm, I was technically not enrolled as a student at UMass. So it was a little bit of a gray zone because the, the eligibility rules from USA Ultimate had yeah, some, some different parts that for one part, I, I would say I was eligible to play for the other one. It's not so clear. So it took them for, I don't know, two or three months uh, <laughs> to give me the, the go that I'm eligible. You got the clearance though, so it's okay. Clearance like two weeks before I left. And then Lundy, Ben Sadok, who, who was involved a lot also with the university and USA Ultimate, he texted me the other morning and said, okay, uh, now as you're eligible, can we ship you off to South Carolina the first weekend you get here? So I got there Tuesday. I think it was a Tuesday. And on Thursday, we left for a 13-hour car ride to South Carolina. I didn't know anyone on the team. To play Easterns, right? To play Easterns, yeah, which we won later on. Quite remarkable story and also something I, I will never forget. So now looking back, I mean, obviously playing for Boston was uh, was incredible, playing so many high-level teams and being on a team that, that practices so professional and it was obviously uh, from an ultimate perspective, probably more valuable or I, I played more great players and, and these type of things. But I would say 
socially and hanging out with the team a lot and uh, how practices were and, and worked uh, like having four or five uh, practices a week is something that is easily doable in college because everyone is around i never had that before so probably not since either right yeah uh, no actually not since either uh so i would say from memorizing this experience i had in in the u.s uh, later on college was way more remarkable than than playing the club season actually and within both of those contexts what were you able to then bring to the german national team from that experience as well as bad skid what were some things that you learned that you're able to go bring back over to your teams i would say the biggest factor was confidence probably I realized when I when I was there I mean obviously I was I was never the best on a team but I I I always realized that I could hang with most of the players I played in the US also so it it kind of showed me or gave me a, a confidence level that because you know for European teams playing uh, North American teams it's always it's always they are a superpower and they are much better and it's more or less impossible to beat them and it probably is still difficult because obviously US teams have a much bigger group of talent where they they can pick players from but but for me personally and that's also something I can give to uh, to my teammates it's just this confidence level that okay maybe they have a bigger group of talent but individually they are probably not so much better that they are not not beatable at all so i think that's definitely a an outcome i had after playing this season in the us yeah i definitely appreciate you sharing some of your positive experiences there and also noting the fact that with ultimate it's not just about the playing opportunities it's also the social aspect and and things like that so it sounds like you didn't have that much time to work on your master's thesis there you were just busy uh, hanging out nico so i'm not sure how you got that done I hope my professor is not listening to this but no obviously they they knew that I was uh, I had a really a really cool also young professor at UMass who liked sports a lot so he was always asking me how things are going and uh, I I took a little bit longer let's say for my master's thesis I finished <laughs> it here in Germany I mean that was for me that was great because I could make my own schedule I remember before nationals everyone was off already for the rest of the team because class is already finished and we had two sessions a day for practice in the week before nationals and i i could attend whatever i wanted obviously master's thesis was not a big big subject in this time but i somehow managed to do both and then i spent a little bit of time after i came back to germany to to finish up and that was totally fine for me because i I also wanted to have the most of this experience in the US and and didn't want to have too many eyes on cool stuff. Yeah, it does make sense you're traveling a far ways, leaving uh, family and friends to go pursue this experience, so it's definitely uh makes sense that you want to make the most of it. And you spoke earlier just a bit ago about confidence and how you develop that confidence. So, what's some advice you would give to other players that are looking to build their confidence in their game? Maybe they go into a tournament or as a team as a whole, they go into a tournament thinking automatically they're going to lose to this superpower team, as you mentioned. It could be a team that looks at bad skin and says, oh, we can never beat bad skin. <laughs> so 
What's uh, some advice you would give to players and teams to build their confidence in Ultimate? As I mentioned before, I think, and that and that also applies for, I don't know, it's always, I think it's always the same playing teams that are ranked higher than you are or on the paper are better than you are. First of all, they are always in the position that they have to win, which is, in my opinion, always a benefit for for the weaker teams. And then I think in these cases, it's always the case that that the group of talent from from the from the higher ranked team is probably better. But if the individuals on on the weaker team have a great game, then you have always a chance to win. That's how I'm how I am approaching to these type of games. And I think that helps me and this helps me also in in speaking to my teammates to give them confidence that there's always a possibility. And if you start off well with a game, then there's always a chance to win. I mean, maybe not such a big chance, but there always is a chance to win. That gives me confidence and that probably also helps helps other people. Yeah, you can't already lose the game by thinking uh, it's going to be you're getting crushed, right? So it, it definitely makes sense there, Nico. We're going to transition here to segment two, day-to-day life. Just a quick editor's note, this question was asked before WIFDIF came down with this decision to cancel all events in the 2021 calendar. I left this question because Nico gives a good snapshot of how he personally and with the team is preparing for Ultimate upon its return. So I've interviewed some different people on the podcast from different areas of the world and everyone's uh, COVID response and what's happening is different. So have you been able to practice and has the national team been able to practice because they were supposed to play in uh, the 2020 WGC that was supposed to happen that's been postponed. As I've talked about before, we'll see if it happens in 2021. We're not sure about that. But how is the team and yourself preparing for that when it comes back, when Ultimate does eventually return on the world stage? So for this year, tournament-wise, there was nothing happening. Also, also training camps were not happening this year. We were actually able to practice with the club team, I think, from maybe June, July to September or October. For that, we were in lockdown. Currently, we are in lockdown, so it's not possible to, to practice. And... We will see how how things are are going next year. Uh, I mean, we are already discussing uh, in the national team how we uh, how we are going to do this. I mean, we will have to wait how things develop and when it will be possible again to practice. And and currently, uh, everyone is trying to do the best to to somehow stay in shape. Gyms are also closed, so you have to. With our club team, we currently have two times a week um, some workout program you can do in the living room. On the couch, I like it. Yeah, on the couch, actually, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Some people don't have access to the weights, right? So I get it. (laughs) And then for you as a captain, how has that been? Is that something that you've seen as a challenge to navigate some of the players and their response to what's been happening? And how have you been able to to navigate that as a captain, the disappointment of not having it happen, obviously in 2020 and the preparations for that. How has that been as a captain? So I would say we always try to keep everyone involved as good as we can and try to imagine that things are happening until they got canceled. So actually in summer this year, it was still not so clear what's going to happen with German nationals and also 
European club championships were still uh, not canceled at this point. So we always, so for practice, always had a goal to reach. And also we, we acted like if nothing is going to happen, we can also get better for next season. And I would say for our club team, that was never a big challenge in terms of people didn't want to stay involved or like motivation and stuff. Motivation was not a, I would say it was not a big factor for us. And also with the national team, obviously there, it's a lot of more organizational topics because it's, uh, it's about to how much money that has to be paid. And do we want to pay money at this point? We don't know if the event is happening. And so it's a lot of more organizing stuff that is obviously a, a pain right now. Uh, as people want to go out and play and, and want to see each other to play again. But I also there, I have the feeling that motivation is not a, is not a factor right now because obviously everyone wants to, wants to get going again and is waiting for things to improve. Yeah, whenever the first uh, major tournament happens, it's going to be the biggest party that anyone's ever seen. People are just going to be so excited to play, but also just to be with people, right? It's going to be a pretty crazy experience. And so... Last uh, part here for this segment. Can you walk the audience through what your normal life would look like kind of non-COVID year? How do you balance work and ultimate in your life as a important member of Bad Skid and the national team, being a captain of the national team? How do you balance that all in your day-to-day life there? So I started working like two and a half years ago. And before that, it was always main focus on ultimate and spend as much time as possible. And since I started working, it's obviously a little bit more difficult with the time. Yeah, it's it's usually when whenever we have practice, we usually practice in evenings during weekdays. So it's always trying to rush out of work and and go to practice and then come home late and try to eat something and go to bed as fast as possible. But you can't because you're amped up, right? <laughs> yeah, it's it's obviously a lot more difficult compared to when I was still studying or in school, it was obviously even much easier. But it's it's possible and easier as I as I expected it to be. So I'm I'm still able to manage practice and and workouts and and weekends away from home with uh, with work. And you're able to, to, as you mentioned, stay motivated during this time, which is awesome because I know that's not for everyone. It's it's a little bit of a struggle right now. So it's great to hear that you and your team are ready to go. So uh, the world stage better watch out there. Germany is going to come in, uh, come in hot there. We're expecting some good things. And we're going to transition to segment three now. So Nico, we went back to the archives already. I'm going to give you a chance to go back to the archives again and talk about your favorite game that you've ever played in. I know we talked a little bit about some opportunities you had with Zoodisk and the national team and things like that, and also the infamous uh, windmill game there. So what's your favorite game that you've ever played in? I would say the, the favorite game I, and the, the, the game I remember the most is when we played Clapham at Waltz in 2018 in Cincinnati. So that was pre-quarter against Clapham. We won on Universe Point. It's an opponent that we play here in Europe a lot and we played a lot of times before we never won they are the powerhouse here in europe and we were close a couple of times but we never beat them at worlds in the pre-quarter game we beat them the first time in in our history 
and it was for reaching the quarterfinals at Worlds. Yeah, it was crazy for everyone and definitely the, the game I remember the most and, and will remember the most for a long time, I assume. Yeah, unless uh, something even cooler happens. And what was your favorite moment specifically from that game? Was there a big play that you made that you remember fondly? Not for myself, probably, but the last point, I mean, I don't know if you've seen it, but it was a long shot going to going to Holger and actually someone else picked it up with a layout catch right before the end zone and just made this little toss to the end zone with basically no defender around. I mean, this tells all the story, this last point, and I think it was, was probably the, the most remarkable that game. Yeah, so if uh, we can find that, we'll uh, definitely leave that video link in the show description there as well, along with the game I mentioned previously from Sky Magazine. And so how did the team celebrate and deal with that? Because that was a huge monkey off the back, right? Being able to finally beat a team that you couldn't beat before. Yeah, I mean, first of all, everyone was collapsing on the ground after the game and couldn't really realize. I, I think it took some time to realize that we just reached the top eight with small club team with just people from our region and which as I mentioned we were also quite proud of to not pick up uh, any other players and it definitely took some time but I remember the car rides back to the hotel which was everyone was going nuts in the car and that's how we celebrated the most that evening yeah for sure so now Nico all the good feelings are now going to disappear here because now you got to talk about your least favorite game that you've ever played in. So maybe it was from the same tournament, maybe it was something else, but what was your least favorite game they've ever played in? Actually, least favorite game is was probably four four years before, also at Worlds. Back then, we were expecting or had high hopes for ourselves to go far in the tournament. Obviously, not probably not the top, but reach the top eight was uh, was a goal for us. And Actually, we got knocked out in, in pool play with a three-way tie. Oh, you hate that. You hate that. We played that team from Colombia, Comunidad del Oso. We could even lose that game by a couple of points and still make it to our pools. And we were up at the beginning of the game, even a couple of, couple of points up. At some point, we lost Holger, who is the main guy on our team, and, and also, let's say, our team leader. So everyone didn't really know what happened. He twisted his ankle somehow. He couldn't play anymore. He was not around the field for, for a bit. So I think at least I felt like this was a, a major turning point in the game. And then we got broken a couple of times. And at the end, I think we were down by two or down by three, something around that. It was It was basically, it was the last point of the game. It was for us basically universe because... If we would have scored one more point, then we have would have won the three-way tie. And then we, we, we were on offense and turned over, and then we got scored on, and everyone knew that we got knocked out of the tournament. And, and we, as I said, we had high hopes back then. And that was really, really frustrating game. At the end, we finished, I think, 25th with only losing that game in the tournament, which was also a crazy story. And uh, yeah, I think I would say this is the the least favorite game I I played or the worst moment I remember. Well, hey Nico, four years later, you're able to turn it around and have some uh, some better moments there. So 
made it even better because we we tried to go into that tournament. We learned from four years before with having probably too high hopes to go into the tournament, and we learned from that and and actually realized that maybe we should just go there and play and and see where we where, where things are going and and everything went the right way. I mean, we we beat Clapham, we we finished in the top eight, what we wanted to do four years before that. And so obviously that probably makes this moment even better than, than it is just by itself. And so you mentioned something really cool there about tapering kind of your expectations and just playing. So how did you practically do that? Maybe some good advice out there for other captains that are listening potentially. How did you taper the expectations and kind of just calm the team down to not have the two of the high hopes there, as you mentioned, to then suddenly implode, right, in a tournament, for example? So how did you uh, keep the team even keel and and level-headed there heading into the tournament? I mean, I think obviously individually everyone has some goals he or she wants to reach. But from a team perspective, we always try to look at the next game and, and, and play our best. and we. Even so, we always have a have a team meeting at the end of the year to somehow plan the next year and plan our goals and these type of things. We knew that we don't want to go into that tournament with the goal to reach top eight or reach whatever, because we learned from from four years before. So we said, okay, let's just go there and try to do our best, but don't care too much about the final result we will have. And somehow this this gave us some some relief or some way to to just show up and play. Less expectation, right? It's it less weighs less on you, yeah. Exactly, yeah. And so Nico, we're gonna move to the last part here. Uh some rapid fire questions. We're gonna start with ultimate related ones first. So the first question is what throw do you prefer, your flick or backhand? Uh backhand for me. What about a large hammer or a big scuba there? Definitely good to have both in the toolbox, I would say. But I would go with hammer here. Nice. This is a would you rather now. Would you rather drop a pole or drop a catch in the end zone? It's a difficult one. I would say catch in the end zone. All right. What about you can only win five silver medals at World or uh, let's say uh, European Ultimate Championships or EUCF, you can only win five silver medals or one gold medal. Which would you choose? Gold medal, definitely. Some hot topic questions here. Should ultimate as a sport be renamed to something else? No, I I don't think so. That's that's the name and that's that's how it should stay. Nice. What about should ultimate have referees? <laughs> that's a that's a difficult question. So personally, I really like this uh, this game advisor option they have at okay. Worlds right now. All right, sounds good. And speaking of Worlds, should Ultimate continue to pursue the Olympics? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, you think uh, it should try to keep going for it? Yeah, I think it should keep going for it. it makes the the sport more recognizable, and uh, I think it should be, if possible. In the in the next couple of Olympic years, if it's possible somehow, then they should. So you can make it there, right? <laughs> no, I'm. I, I don't see myself playing there. I think it will take a couple of years, but it would be obviously great to see ultimate in the Olympics. Yeah, you turn on the TV and you see a flying disc. That would be pretty cool. So now some non-ultimate questions here. 
First one being you get to share a meal with three people in the course of human history, either living or dead there. So you got to pick who you would share a meal with. Okay, I would go, I have three people I would definitely like to share a meal with. One is Barack Obama. For me, really inspiring, especially now in this uh, <laughs> uh, this last couple of months. I mean, you notice even more how how inspiring he was. Second, I would go with Dirk Nowitzki, as he's uh, obviously here in Germany, the big role model for sports. And not only because he was so good, but also the type of person he is. And third, I would also go with someone from sports. Uh, I would go with Roger Federer, tennis player, as as he's also, to me, he's really, really, he seems to be a really nice guy. And he knows obviously a lot about sports. So it would be quite interesting for me as well. Yeah, you have a good mix of people there. And with with, uh, Dirk Nowitzki there, everyone in Germany would recognize him, right? Like if he was out and about, people would know right away that that's uh, the legend there, Dirk Nowitzki. Definitely, yeah. Even people that don't really know basketball would would know Dirk Nowitzki here in Germany. Is he living in Germany or is he in the States? Do you know? Do you know where he's at nowadays? I assume he's still living in the States because he has his family there. And I think he, at least that was my impression that he always, that's why he always wanted to stay in Dallas also, because I think he's a family guy and doesn't want to move around too much. So I I would assume that he still lives in yeah. So now I'm going to give you a chance to put on a concert in your backyard in the small town that you come from, you said. So you're going to have a chance to put on a concert. You got to pick the band or artist. The band or artist could be living or dead or broken up. You got to pick three. And the extra part is you got to pick the order in which they play. I would probably go with a, with a crazy mix here. I like it. I like the eclectic mix. That's We like that on the podcast. So... I would go first with Linkin Park. Hey, one of my favorites. I love it. That was a, a band I listened to a lot when I was 15, 16 years old. And that's definitely, I, I think that's the band I hyped the most in my life. Other than that, I'm not so much, usually not so much into music, but Linkin Park would probably be number one. So they're opening the concert. They, they would open the, oh no, they would probably play the last. Oh, they're headlining the concert. Okay. Yeah, they would probably headline the concert. Actually, also, the other ones are not good to start off with, but uh, actually, they should also be the headliners. So I would definitely have the Beatles. I don't listen to that music so much, but I think they were so important in the history of, of music. They were, they were. I would definitely have the Beatles also there. And then to relate a little bit more to to current times i would also have drake i think yeah yeah so so it's gonna go beatles drake then lincoln park is that what is that the concert order i would probably go that way yeah and all of them could be headliners you definitely have a huge party there uh out in germany in your small town there so that's awesome there nico thank you for answering that and last question here you're not gonna be able to pick ultimate as an answer for this question so i'm gonna give you all the talent in the world you can play any sport you can play for any team you know Playing the Bundesliga if you want, playing the NBA. So you got to pick the sport, team, and position you want to play for. It would probably be basketball uh, because I really like. Uh, also in my free time, I sometimes like to play basketball. I'm 
not really good at it, but I would like but to be good at it. In this make-believe world, you have all the talent, so you could be in the NBA. Yeah, I would probably pick basketball and play in the NBA. So uh, what team and position are you uh, playing there? I'm probably a, a point guard type of player, so I would probably be a point guard. Regarding the team, let's say I'm not too much following one team, but I would probably go with the Dallas Mavericks. In the Dirk Nowitzki era, let's say, so that you could have played with them. <laughs> probably, yeah. Play for the legend, uh, Mark Cuban there as the owner, and then you get to play with Dirk, so that's uh, pretty fun there. So, Nico, that ends our show for today. Thanks so much for coming on all the way from Germany. There are different time zones, so we got to coordinate that. That's awesome. So if our audience wants to find out more about you and potentially the teams you play on as well, where can they find all this information online? They could follow me on Instagram if they want to. It's You, could, you will probably put it in the, in the notes. I don't know. Yeah, I'll put it in the show description, Nico uh, Mila's uh, Instagram handle, so you can uh, follow him there. And I'll leave the video links as well with the games that we mentioned earlier. So, Nico, once again, thanks for coming on the podcast. Thank you very much for having me, Theo. Thanks for listening. Keep an eye out for the next episode where I interview Inesh Bringel, a member of Portugal's mixed team, runner-up for Ulti World's 2019 European Female Defensive Player of the Year, and two-time participant on the Eurostars Tour. In this interview, Inesh shares about the success of Portugal Beach Ultimate, and its increasing growth in Grass Ultimate. She also shares about experience on the Eurostars Tour and the opportunity to grow and play against strong competition. As always, you can follow me on Instagram at Juan underscore and underscore only underscore sports, and you can see some of my commentating highlights on YouTube at the channel Juan and Only Sports. Catch you listeners on the flip side. Peace!